0: Now, as I said before, today is special. Today is the day that nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose again from the dead. After being nailed to a cross and dying on that gloomy Friday, and then being laid in the tomb for three days, Jesus did exactly what he told his disciples he would do. After he had laid his life down on the first day of the week, he took it back up again. After the temple of his body was destroyed, in three days, he built it again. This is the day that death, that great enemy that comes for us all, was defeated and shown ultimately to be powerless. Friends, this day is special because the light and hope of the world, having been killed, his light seemingly put out, the hope that he offered seemingly brought to nothing. On this day, nearly 2,000 years ago, the light of Christ shone out all the brighter, and hope lived again. Our text this morning tells us that believers have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Or to put that another way, Jesus being raised from the dead is key to believers having a living hope. And so this is our big idea this morning, that because Jesus is alive, he is able to offer real, actual, living hope to those who believe in him. I'll say that again. Because Jesus is alive, he is able to offer real, actual, living hope to those who believe in him. Now, where I want to begin this morning is by asking a question. Why does Peter talk about living hope? Couldn't he have just said that God has caused us to be born again to hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead? Why did he feel the need to qualify it by saying that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope? Well, you see, Peter wants his readers to understand that not all hope is the same. This hope that Jesus brings through his rising from the dead is special. It's not just any old hope. It's a living hope. It's a living hope as opposed to a dead hope. So what do I mean by this? Well, hope is defined as a feeling or expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So really, anybody can have hope. Anybody can have a feeling of expectation and desire for any number of things to happen. But here's the thing. Just because you expect something, or just because you desire something, doesn't mean that that thing will actually happen, or that you will actually get that thing. I want you to imagine if you lived in an old wooden house that was being attacked by termites. And that house was, under the best of circumstances, in danger of collapsing in on you. Now, imagine that there was also a Category 5 hurricane coming. Sure, you could hope that the house holds up and protects you from the wind and the rain and the debris. But frankly, that desire or expectation that you have is a false hope. That house isn't going to protect you from a Category 5 hurricane. So you have no real hope. You may have hope, but you have no real hope. It's a dead hope. You see... Your hope, in this case, is built or founded on what is weak and has no power to bring about that which you expect. So this is my point. When we think about hope, we need to be able to differentiate between dead hope, which is founded on what is weak and doesn't have the power to bring about that which we expect, and living hope, which is strong and does have the power to bring about that which we expect. So what I'm trying to get across is that what you hope in matters. You know, there are a lot of people these days who are afraid of dying. And so they hope to live. Well, one of the main things people are afraid of dying from these days is COVID. And so many people are placing their hope for life in a vaccine or in a face mask or in hand sanitizer or keeping six feet away from the person next to them. Well, even if you were one of the people who was at high risk of dying from COVID, does taking a vaccine mean that you won't die? No. Does wearing a face mask or sanitizing your hands or keeping your distance from others mean that you won't die? No. After all, we live on a dangerous planet. This is no surprise to us. There are innumerable ways that you could lose your life. So even if you could take a vaccine that offered perfect protection from the COVID-19 virus... And did all the other things, you could still die in a car accident. Or as a result of dengue fever. There are other diseases out there, you know. You could be killed in a robbery or a home invasion. You could even fall from a high place. And let's not forget, even if none of these things ever happen to you, you're going to age. You're not as young as you used to be. Your body will grow old and it will start to break down. Eventually, even if you lived the safest possible life you could possibly live, you're still going to die. I know it's grim to think about these things, but we have to. Because we need to know if we are placing our hopes for life in dead hopes. A vaccine cannot ultimately save you from death. The newest car with the best technology cannot ultimately save you from death. The most expensive home security system that you can buy cannot ultimately save you from death. I could go on with this list, but you get the point. Anything on this earth that we place our hope in, thinking that it will protect us ultimately from death, is a false hope, a dead hope. These things are weak and have no power to fulfill the desire for life that we have. So friends, if we want life, What we need, instead of an earthly hope, is heavenly hope. Instead of dead hope, we need living hope. Hope that is strong and built on and founded on that which does have the power to give us life. And so praise be to God that we can have such a hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is the one in whom we can place all of our hope for life. Jesus actually and really has the strength and power to save us from the grip of death. Those who believe in Jesus don't have a dead hope, but have real, actual, living hope. And it is his resurrection from the dead that makes this so. I want you to remember our big idea. Because Jesus is alive, he is able to offer real, actual living hope to those who believe in him. So before I go on to explain why this is so, I just want to make something clear. Throughout my message this morning, you'll hear me say things like, Jesus has the power to save us from death. I want to make clear that I'm not saying that if we believe in Jesus, we will keep on living just as we are now, forever and ever without dying. That's not what I'm saying. The fact remains that those who believe in Jesus still die. Either they're killed or they die from sickness or from old age. So what I mean when I say that Jesus has the power to save us from death is that those who believe in Christ do not stay dead. Jesus said to Martha in John chapter 11 and verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Believers in Christ are assured that though they must face death, they will be brought back to life again. So just bear that in mind this morning. So let's look now at just how the resurrection leads to living hope for the believer. So the best way to understand how the resurrection leads to living hope for the believer is to understand why we need this hope in the first place. I want you to put the resurrection aside for a few minutes, and let's remember why Jesus came to die in the first place. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to tell you some very bad news. Let's go all the way back to our parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. God commanded them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He warned them that if they did, they would surely die. But we all know what happened. They disobeyed. They ate the fruit, and this single act of disobedience plunged the human race into corruption and sin. All of Adam's children and grandchildren, even down to us to this day, bear the guilt of his sin. And this is why we die. Because, as the Bible says, in Adam, all die. All of us are born guilty in Adam, so to speak. Because he represented all of us. Our fate was tied to his. That is the way that God made it. This is why the Bible can say that there are none who are righteous. Because all of us bear the guilt from our representative, Adam. All of us are like sheep who have gone astray. From birth, we love what is evil in God's eyes. We love to sin, and we love to reject God's rule over us. We even suppress the truth that we know about God, that God has placed in our hearts, so that we can ignore Him and go on sinning. This is what is called the fallenness of human nature. Adam's sin has corrupted all of us man was made to have fellowship with God and to worship him but ever since Adam sinned he his wife and all of their children even we have been completely and totally useless for this duty instead of wanting fellowship with God man in his natural state wants nothing to do with him after all God is light and he dwells in the light But men hate the light and love darkness because their deeds are evil. Instead of worshipping God as creator, we exchange the truth of God for a lie and seek to worship created things rather than God. We make idols of wood and stone and metal and we form images of all kinds of animals and plants and men and women. And we bow down to them and we worship them as if they were God, created things. We form idols in our minds as well. We remove God from his position as greater than all, and instead we think of things as being more important than he is. And so this is the natural state of humanity because of the disobedience of Adam. And it gets worse. The Bible tells us that God is holy, holy, holy. Not just holy, but... Holy, holy, holy. He is perfectly righteous and just. And he is the judge of all the earth. God cannot and will not let mankind get away with its sin against him. Think about this. We would all be appalled at the sight of an earthly judge who turns a blind eye to to crimes that are being committed. We would all be appalled if we saw a judge letting criminals go free without penalty, especially if those criminals did something to us. So how can we expect the Supreme Judge, God Almighty, to let sinners like us go free? You see, there is a price to pay for sin. Just as crimes in our society carry fines and punishments, so does disobedience to God carry a penalty. And that penalty is death and eternity in hell. Make no mistake, there is a day coming soon when all who are guilty of sinning against God will face his wrath and anger. God will pour out his anger against sinners in hell forever. Everyone who is guilty of sin will face justice and sink in the flames of the lake which burns with fire and sulfur, as the Bible tells us. This is conscious, everlasting torment. Jesus calls hell outer darkness. A place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place where thirst is never quenched and where the worms that eat the flesh of those who are dead and torment, those worms don't die. It lasts forever forever. Too many people today think that death offers an escape from the pain and suffering of this life. That's why people commit suicide. They're looking for a way out of pain and sorrow. But I want us all to be warned. For those who are guilty of sin against God, when you die, you will face what the Bible calls the second death. This is eternal punishment in hell. Now I know this is extremely grim. Perhaps you weren't expecting to hear such grim things on a Resurrection Sunday. But unless you understand why Jesus came to die in the first place, his coming to life again is meaningless to you. So you have to know these things. You must all understand this. This is the bad news that all of us have to face. We are dead in Adam. Dead in our trespasses and sins. And we will all die one day and face judgment. And when we are found guilty, we will all face the second death. And there's nothing you can do in your own power to escape it. Ah, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Friends, after hearing the grim reality of the bad news, give glory to God that he, being rich in mercy, did not leave us to perish in our sin. Instead of only bad news, we also have good news. God Himself has provided a way for guilty sinners like us to have our crimes paid for. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, Jesus, to die in our place to bear the punishment that we deserved. God, the Son, became a man and he lived a perfect life. He offered to God the obedience that Adam failed to offer. And he went willingly to the cross in order to die in our place and bear the punishment that we should have received. He was, as John the Baptist said of him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He shed his blood and gave his life as a ransom for many. He died in our place to save us from the second death. And this is indeed good news, right? This is someone to hope in. Someone who never lied. So many people today make grand claims to us and all they do is let us down. Just look at politicians. But Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. He was able to pay the price of sin for millions upon millions of believers. We can expect to escape the wrath of God and the fire of hell because of the sacrifice of Christ. But wait. How do we know that this is just not just another dead hope? How do we know that Jesus really can save us from death and hell? How do we know that he was strong enough to accomplish what he said he would accomplish? How do we know that he really was able to pay the great price for all of our sin? How do we know that he really was more powerful than death? Well, the answer, my friends, as you probably guessed, is the resurrection. The resurrection shows us that all of Jesus' claims were true. It shows us that we can and should trust in him to save us. It shows us that he is a firm and steady foundation upon which we can build our hopes for life. And all we have to do to see this is think about just what would happen if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul explains this to us in 1 Corinthians 15. So let's all turn there because I'm going to read a large portion of it because it's just so relevant to the significance of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, Then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I work harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they so we preach and so you believe. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If in Christ we have hope only in this life, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. So Paul's point here is that everything about our faith, all of the hope that we have in Christ, all the hope for salvation from the wrath of God in hell, all of the hope for freedom from the bondage of sin, and freedom from the corrupt nature that we inherited in Adam. All of that hope depends on Jesus being alive. He tells us that if there is no such thing as the dead being raised, then that obviously means Jesus didn't rise. And here's the point. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus didn't come back to life, then... Anytime anyone has ever told you to believe in Jesus, or told you about what he did on the cross in sacrificing himself, or telling you how much he loves people, if he didn't rise from the dead, all of that is a waste. If Jesus didn't come back to life, then any trust you have ever placed in him was for nothing. Your hope in him was just another dead hope, like hoping in a politician. There's no difference. Paul says, Your faith is in vain if Christ is not raised from the dead. And it gets worse. Not only is all this preaching and faith for nothing, but we who have preached the name of Jesus and we who have believed in him are also telling lies about God. That's a serious thing. After all, don't we believers go around saying that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead? That's our message. If Jesus never came back to life, then far from any hope of escaping our sin and the death that it brings, we've actually been committing more sins. Telling lies about God. Saying that he did something that he didn't do. Indeed, if Christ Jesus has not been raised, we have no forgiveness from God. Paul says in verse 17 that we are still in our sins if Christ is still dead think about that. If Jesus didn't come back to life, it would mean that his sacrifice was not sufficient to pay our debt to God. It would mean that Jesus was not a worthy savior. That he didn't have enough power to pull us from the jaws of death. Indeed, we are still in its teeth and are about to be swallowed up. You see, when we consider what our reality would be if Christ hasn't been raised, we can see just how important the resurrection is. It's central. Every significant hope that we have, the hope that we can be free of death, the hope that we can be accepted into God's presence, all that hope rests on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so, brothers and sisters, we can rejoice that Paul has more to say in 1 Corinthians 15. After painting for us the grim picture of a reality in which Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, Paul lifts our spirits once again. From verse 20 he says, But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Friends, this is the truth. Jesus really has been raised from the dead. Our preaching is not in vain. We preach real, living hope to a dying world. And our faith is not in vain. We believe in He who really does have the power to snatch us from the jaws of death. Like David, when he was a shepherd, he was able to to save sheep from the mouths of lions and bears and strike them dead. And so the descendant of David, Jesus the King is able to strike death and defeat it once and for all. And rather than being swallowed up by death, death itself is swallowed up in the victory of Christ Jesus. O death, where's your victory? O death, where is your sting? And Paul says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all day so also in Christ shall all be made alive. I said earlier when I was talking about the bad news that our fate was tied to Adam because he represented us. Well, Adam lived and then after disobeying God and plunging us all into sin and guilt, he died and he is still dead to this day. Well, Jesus also lived and after obeying God, And going to the cross to sacrifice himself for all those who would believe in him, he died. But three days later, he rose to life again. And he is still alive to this day. Just as all who are represented by Adam die and stay dead, all who are represented by Jesus, though they die as he did, they will rise to life again just as he did. This is why Paul says that there is an order to this resurrection. First Christ rises, and then when he comes again, those who believe in him will rise as well. All of this is good news indeed, brothers and sisters. And it is all made possible because Jesus was raised from the dead. And scripture has more to say about the significance of the resurrection. Scripture has more to say about why the resurrection is able to bring us living hope. Jesus coming to life again shows us that he has power over death. Friends, who better to trust for rescue from death than the only one who is more powerful than death? In Revelation chapter 1, Jesus says, Fear not. I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus holds the keys to death itself and to hell. There is no one whom Jesus cannot free from death. Like the master of a prison holding the keys to all the cells, Jesus is able to free those who believe in him from their imprisonment to sin and death. And Acts 2.24 says that God raised Jesus up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Jesus says of his life in John 10 verse 18, No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Remember that Jesus did not die for sins that he had committed. No, he hadn't committed any sins. He was perfectly righteous and holy. Rather, he went to the cross to die for the sins of others. So, after paying the price that God demanded for sin, he, being perfectly righteous, was able to rise to life again. Death couldn't lay a claim on him the way that it lays a claim on the guilty. So the resurrection confirms to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It confirms to us that we are right to hope in Jesus Christ. He is fit to be called our Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior He is. And friends, we have living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus is alive. And even now, even as you sit here, even as you sit where you are at home, He is interceding for us before the Father. Romans 8 says that Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The hope we have is living because it is active hope. As we hope in Christ day by day, we are not only waiting for that which he will do in the future, but we are seeing even now how he cares for us day by day. Because he is alive, he is actively, continually advocating for us before the Father. Even as Satan accuses us, Jesus is there to defend us before the Father. Like a lawyer in court, he is there to meet Satan's accusations with this defense. I have paid their debts in full. They who have believed in me, I have given them my righteousness. All their guilt has been taken away and nailed to the cross. Just as Jesus died on the cross, we who believe in him have also died to the power of sin and death. Just as he is, was raised from the dead, we who believe in him have been raised to newness of life as well. And Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, comforts us when we're sorrowful. Through the Spirit, he reminds us of the great salvation that we have in him. He reminds us of the promises He has made to us in Scripture. Jesus, because He is alive, works to keep our hope in Him alive as well. This is how He makes good of His promise to complete the work that He's begun in us. Because Jesus lives, the author of Hebrews can confidently proclaim that, consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. Since He always lives, to make intercession for them. Friends, there's so much depth of meaning to the resurrection of Christ from the dead. If we were to try to plumb these depths this morning, who knows how long we'd be here. But I want all of us here gathered to understand. I want those of you who are watching at home to understand this. Because Jesus is alive, he is able to offer real Actual living hope to those who believe in him. Unlike dead hope that at best that is at best unsure of its outcome and at worst has no possibility of coming true, the living hope that Christ gives through his resurrection from the dead is sure and certain. If you call on the name of Jesus, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The sure and certain living hope that Jesus brings through his resurrection guarantees us that he gives those who believe in him eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will be able to snatch them out of his hand. Friends, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in him shall never die. Do you believe this? If you're a believer this morning, be encouraged that your hope is alive and certain. Jesus is alive. And praise God for his mercy. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and he caused you to be born again. He's given you a new heart. One that seeks for God and loves Him. And just as He has given your spirit new life, one day soon, He will give your body new life too. You don't need to worry about the ailments that you deal with. You don't need to worry about dying in a car accident. You don't need to worry about COVID if you believe in Jesus Christ. One day, all of our faith and hope in Jesus will be turned to sight. In other words, that which we hope for will no longer be simply expectation, no longer simply desire, but what we expect will come to pass fully and completely. That which all believers desire, to live with our God in the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, that will be a reality, fully and completely a reality. Believe this, brothers and sisters. Cling to this living hope. Cling to the living, risen Christ and rejoice. If you're not a believer this morning, I implore you, stop hoping in dead hopes. Don't be like the man who built his home on sand, hoping that it would stand when the wind and the rains came. His hope failed him when his home crumbled around him and he and all that he had was lost. Rather, hope in the living hope. Hope in Jesus who was raised from the dead. Those who hope in him are like a man who built his home on a solid rock. And when the winds and the rains came, the house stood secure. And all that he had and himself was safe. Jesus offers you this salvation. He offers you this living hope as a free gift. He offers forgiveness of sin As a free gift. All you need to do to accept this free gift is repent of your sin. Turn from it. Reject it. And believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. believe that he rose from the dead. Grab a hold of Jesus by faith. And trust that he has taken your guilt and given you his righteousness. I implore you not to wait. For those who don't have this certain hope in Jesus Christ. The only thing that is certain is that you will die. And you don't know when that could be. It could be today. Do not wait to put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus who died and behold, is alive forevermore. Remember that because Jesus is alive, he is able to offer real, actual, living hope to those who believe in him.